Hey, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Well, you guys are a lot more lively than the first service. They were kind of quiet. I think Ruth was the only one that was with me this morning. No, it's so good to see you all here this morning. We are, we are in a series looking at and understanding um, the real Jesus. And um, what I've noticed in our culture today, um, within the church culture, is there's, there's a lot of teachings that, that seem to be very confusing about who the real Jesus is and understanding what his purpose is and why Jesus came uh, to this earth. And I want, as your pastor and as a church, to truly understand what Jesus means to us and how Jesus can change your life and making sure we're not um, hearing a watered-down type of gospel. Let me just say this. We need to get the gospel right. We need to truly understand the purpose of Jesus coming and what does that mean for you and I. And I think we get this concept of God's character sometimes. We have this Old Testament God and we have this New Testament God. We have this Old Testament God who's the grumpy old grandpa sitting in his front yard yelling at all the kids that uh, walk on his lawn, right? And he's like this mean guy and we don't see him as a God of grace. And then we see Jesus is maybe this hippie, you know, everything's about love, peace, you know, and um, kind of this watered down thing where he just accepts us as we are and it's all all about love. And, and, and there is a lot of false teachings that is running through the church. And we need to be aware of this. And I think we need to understand what does the word of God have to say about Jesus? And what does that mean for you and I? So I'm, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Um, this is going to be a tough teaching. This is going to be tough. And, and the reason why it's tough is because I want us to truly examine our hearts and our lives, to understand where is my relationship with Jesus. And Jesus has very specific words on what type of disciples he desires or, or who are the ones that chase after him. And so I want us to truly look, look at that. And I believe that the words of Jesus can change our lives. And it's amazing how the, the life and words of Jesus changed the world around him and changed those who truly fouled him and called him Lord and Savior. I like this quote by Napoleon Bonaparte where he says, you know, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius upon force? Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this, in this very hour, millions of men would die for him. And so what, what, what made the words of Jesus different? And what made his message different from all other religions? Because his message was tough. When he calls us to come, he called us to come and die, to die to ourselves. So it wasn't this flowery, watered-down message where he just accepts everything. The words of Christ are hard. But what made people fall at his feet and worship him and literally would give their lives for him, like Napoleon Bonaparte said, and so when Jesus came to earth, and this, this is what we have to get right, what made his words different, what made his message different, when Jesus came to earth, he basically announced this new way of life, completely different from the words of, of, of that day. And he's, he's mentioning this new way of life, and, and we understand that Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy that spoke to his purpose. And, and I want to just right off the bat look at three scriptures and juxtapose them, because what we're going to see is we're going to see an Old Testament scripture from the prophet Isaiah speaking some 700 years before Jesus walked on the earth, and it would explain what the purpose of the Messiah would do. In fact, Jesus quotes these very words 
showing what his purpose on earth would be. We're going to look at the words of Jesus and then look at the words of the followers of Jesus and what they did with the message of Christ. So let's look at Isaiah 61. Here's what Isaiah 61 says. I love these words. It says, and Jesus spoke these verbatim. And and this is what he says himself because they were fulfilled in Christ. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom to the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus quotes these very words and he speaks of his purpose. These verses are a fulfillment of Christ in his life. And then Luke records for us, once again, Jesus speaking the purpose of him, him coming. Luke 4, uh, 43 says, But he said, I must proclaim what? The good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And then I want you to see in the book of Acts, listen to what the disciples did as they bow before the lordship of Jesus Christ. They listened to the words of Christ and listen to what their purpose was. Acts 14 says, after preaching what? The good news and Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. See, I I want you to understand this morning that the reason I serve Jesus is not necessarily because he just makes my life good or he's necessarily going to make my life better. What I've come to discover in following Jesus and laying my life down at his feet, the reason why I follow Jesus is because it's true. Listen, if you understand that Jesus is true, no matter what you may go through in your life, no matter what sufferings you may go through, you will stay firm on that fact because you know Jesus is true. I had this very deep conversation with my son Colby when he was back at home a couple months ago. And it was such a good conversation. And as I was talking to him, half of the conversation was over my head because he reads Plato and Aristotle. He loves philosophy. And so it was just over my head. And it, so, but we were talking. He goes, he goes Dad, I'm, I'm reading all these books on what people think truth is and what the philosophies of the world are. Now, with tears in his eyes, Kobe's just the opposite of me because he never cries. So he's like completely the opposite of me. Um, with tears in his eyes, he said, he's, he said, Dad, this is what I've discovered is this, is that the words of Jesus are true because he's God. When we listen to the words of humans, they are fallible. We have so much stuff, information coming at us where people are saying, well, this is the truth. This is the truth, right? Follow the science over here. So we all run over here. Okay, here's the science, okay? And then we find out, well, it's not that correct. Well, no, the science is over here. We run over here. Okay, this is the science. So follow the science. We're all running around and we're like, what is the truth? And and, And Jesus says to us, I am the truth. He separates himself from every other religious leader. And so what Kobe said to me, he goes, Dad, as as I've studied this and read other philosophies of the world, he goes, what I've discovered is the truth cannot be found in man because we're fallible. He goes, but the truth is found in Jesus because he is God and I can trust those words. Follow Jesus because he's true, not because he's necessarily going to make his life better, not because he's necessarily going to make your life better better. See, I want you to understand what Jesus brought to us 
was good news. Jesus and his disciples announced this good news. And we, got, we have to get the gospel right. The words good news, Jesus uses very deliberately. The Bible has a, a particular use of this word gospel. So basically the gospel is an announcement of an incredible event that would usher in a new way. So Jesus' mission here on earth was to proclaim this message or this gospel. So the good news of the gospel is God came to rescue us and to change us from our old way. He just didn't come to be an add-on to our life or to be an addition to our life or to necessarily make your life better. He came to give us a completely new way from our old way. Well, why do we need change? Why do we need to change? What, what's, what's the issue? Well, very sim- simple is sin left us broken and separated from God and we couldn't fix ourselves. The good news is God came in human form in the flesh to fix us because every single one of us are broken. And try as we may to become a better person. Have you ever done that? You try and try and try and then you just end up failing again or I'll try, to, I'll try not to do that again, only make the mis- same mistakes over and over and over again. Isn't that frustrating when you do that? It's because, it's because we're broken. Have you ever said, um, I can fix that only to make it worse? Right, um, I have this old uh, gas trimmer, and the the gas line was was kind of eaten away, and it was kind of dry rotted. So I was trying to fix it myself, and I, I was, I could, I got it started, and all of a sudden I smell all this gas, and there was gas all the way down my arm, my whole arm caught on. No, I'm just teasing. It didn't catch on fire. I just trying to make it more interesting. But I smell, and I just could, I I couldn't fix it. And thank God for people in the church who are good fix-it people. But I thought, well, I'll just watch the YouTube video, right? I can do it myself, right? How many of you know you just have to learn that some things you just can't fix, and you got to leave it to other people to fix them because they're 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 way smarter. Amen. And the men were really hard. Amen, Pastor. Okay, I know that. Um, And I wish I could fix everything, but at times we need others to help us. See, Jesus, what he does is the reason why it's good news is Jesus came to fix our brokenness, which was caused by sin. So what's the difference about the good news that Jesus brought us? The, The difference is, is the message of Jesus is good news that has already been accomplished for us. He did it for us. He already did for us. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. We could not fix ourselves. So what's, what's different about Jesus? He didn't come to, to teach a way to salvation like other religious teachers. Jesus says, I am the way to salvation. Jesus is, is the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't claim to be a way or to show us truth or how to find life. He actually was those things because he was God. And unless we completely give ourselves to Christ, we will never find the way, the truth, or life that we're looking for. We will look to ourselves to fulfill those things. See, the problem that I see in our world today, and there's this thing called progressive Christianity where people are deconstructing from their upbringing or maybe their thoughts about Jesus or Orthodox Christianity, and they're deconstructing from that, and then they're constructing this new belief. What I've noticed reading articles, books, and watching podcasts about this deconstruction of many people's faith, which as a pastor really concerns me, what I'm noticing is it it, it falls back on me. I I don't necessarily like some of these teachings or or what I see um, in our world today, so I'm going to reconstruct what I think Jesus should be in my life. And what I've noticed is it really centers around me. How does it make me feel better? 
how does it work in my life? How can I make it more palatable? So what we do is we water it down to make ourselves more comfortable. But I want you to realize if the further and further we move away from the teachings of Jesus and what his word says, the more it's going to focus on who? On me. That's a dangerous place to be. And Jesus, if you focus on my words and what I came to do, it's going to set you free. It'll give you a joy that you'll never find ultimately in yourself. And so what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to make Jesus into somebody that he's not so that it's palatable to everybody. But I want you to realize that the words of Jesus are difficult for a reason because it deals with our waywardness. And the more we pull away from Jesus and what his words actually say, the more we minimize what Jesus actually accomplished for us on the cross. And I want you to realize that the cross was brutal for a reason. The reason why it was brutal is because Jesus bore our sin and our rebellion. And he took on the wrath of God for you and I. And the more I take away from the teachings of Jesus and try to water down his teachings, the more I take away from the cross and what Jesus actually accomplished for you and I. Jesus did everything for you and I. He understands our waywardness. He understands our sin and he says, for those that come to me and lay those things at, 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 at my feet, that's where we find the true freedom. The freedom doesn't come by lessening Jesus' words to make me feel more comfortable. The freedom comes when real, realizing that I rebelled against God. And when I find my freedom in Christ Jesus, that's when I find peace for my life. That Jesus can handle it. Jesus knows everything about you, yet still loves us. Amen. Go figure. And so I, I don't have to be intimidated to come to Christ because I know and I understand what he did for me and what he accomplished for me on the cross. Barden, I accomplished this for you 2,000 years ago. Why are you trying to hide this from me or trying to whitewash it? Bring it to me. I can handle it. So we need to understand that Jesus' words are difficult. So unless we completely give ourselves to Christ, we will never find the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's more than just a, a belief in Jesus because Jesus came to change our lives completely. You know, when I was younger, I believed in God. It wasn't like I was atheistic. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. But it, but it, it didn't necessarily change me or change the way I lived my life. And, and Jesus, I've come to completely give you this new news to change that old way of life. Now, I'm, I want to read to you some words from Jesus that I think are misunderstood or, or misinterpreted. And, and these are hard words, but I want you to understand how Jesus calls his disciples. He says, listen, if you're going to chase after me, if you're going to come after me, this is how it's going to look. Because unless you do it this way, you'll never find complete freedom in your life. You've got to do it this way. So I want you to, these are such good words. Matthew 16 records, records it for us. It says, Jesus then says this to his disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him live for himself and find all he can in this world, right? No, what does he say? He says, for anyone who comes after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Listen to what Jesus says to his followers. If you're going to run after me, if you're going to chase after me, take up your cross and follow me. Now, what in the world does that mean? Because we use that in the wrong way. 
So what do we say? We, when you say, you've, you've heard that saying like, oh, I'm just bearing my cross, right? We've got to hang now. Just, Pastor, I'm bearing my cross, right? Just, life is so difficult, you know. I just bear my cross, you know. I wish I could have this car, but I can't. Just bear my cross, you know. Life is so difficult. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, it has everything to do with living a new way forsaking that old way, that old life, and living a new way. So let's first understand what it, what it doesn't mean. Some mistakenly interpret their cross as, as some burden in their life. And when we look at the problems of our life, we can say, well, it's just the cross that I'm bearing. And how many know we all have problems in our lives, don't we? We all have issues and struggles and stresses in our life. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. Notice, notice how we've got to get the gospel straight. The gospel is not about me. It's not turning this verse around and saying, okay, oh, it's about me now. This verse is all about Jesus and what he came to do for us and what he's asking us to do. Listen, I want you to get this right. What does it mean? For someone living in the first century, they would understand what this means. Because the cross, what did Jesus mean by taking up your cross? Well, the cross meant humiliation and death. The cross meant humiliation and death. When, when you were hung on a cross, you were hung on there for all to see. It was humiliation for your crime so that hopefully it would deter someone else from doing that, but it was for all to see. You carried your cross of execution. Jesus carried his cross. So what does this mean? What is Jesus saying here? To take up your cross means to be willing to die to yourself and actually live for Christ. It's dying to yourself, that old way, and then living for Christ. Tim Keller makes this great quote. He says, if Christianity is really true, it will be offending and correcting your somewhere, somewhere. It will be correcting you, it will be offending you in some way in your life, if it's, if it's true. What does Pastor Keller mean by that? When, when we truly understand Jesus, there, there's, this, there's this clash of wills in our life. There's my will, and then there's the, there's the will of Christ. And how many of you know that there's times we want it done our way, and there's our flesh and what we want, and then there's this willingness to give it all up for the sake of Christ? He said, that's when you'll find your life. And how many know that that old person just rears its ugly head at times, doesn't it? That old flesh, we want it, we want it our way, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, we don't get our way, and then we get frustrated, and then the Spirit of Christ goes out the window, right, many, many times. We all, we all struggle with that. But, but the problem is Jesus says, listen, are you willing to die for my sake? Or are you redefining me just to make your life better? And when I speak to the things in your life that need to be redirected, are you listening to me? Are you more concerned with having it your way? That, that's a life that has, has given their hearts to Jesus by saying, Jesus, I, I know there's my will. And how many know there, there are plans that we have made in our life? And how many know that not everything works out that we plan for? And it's like, it comes to that point where like, it may even be a good thing but it may be something that just didn't happen. And am, am I willing to reside myself by saying, God, this didn't work out the way I wanted to, but I'm, am I willing to trust you enough to know that you are sovereign over my life, that I can trust you with my life, that you know my life and you know what you desire for me, and that's to be one that follows you irregardless of how things might turn out or not turn out. See, Jesus is saying that's a disciple that chases after me, one that denies himself and takes up 
their cross to follow me. Now, here's what Jesus began to come across as he walked on earth. The crowds of people would follow Jesus at the beginning because they wanted a Messiah who would rescue them, and they liked Jesus, a Jesus that fed them. They liked the Jesus that did all these miracles. But all of a sudden, if you notice in Jesus' life towards the end of his ministry, his teaching got much harder. His words got more direct. And more and more people began to leave him because his words were hard. There was a purpose for that. See, the problem is when we're looking for a Messiah or a Savior who just simply gives us what we want or trying to attach Jesus to my life to give me a better life, that's not good news. The reason is for these people, they followed Jesus for a while because it was good for them and it helped them. But the problem is it may be good for a time and it may make you feel good for a time. But in the long run, it's not good news that ultimately changes us. See, Jesus began to to correct and expose their motives. And so when Jesus taught about dying to yourself and what good would it be if you gained the whole world yet forfeited your souls, many began to walk away. So here's Jesus' point for those who want to chase after him. He says, unless you are willing to die to, to your own desires, your will and your plans for Christ, we will never, never honestly know him or know his ultimate joy. And what Jesus is saying is like, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I'm, I, I'm trying to give you everything that you need in your life to experience joy and peace in me that this world can never give you. See, if we, if we honestly read through the New Testament and we look at the lives of the apostles and, and the disciples, didn't they just live wonderful lives, free of persecution, free of just, it was one. No, they lived very difficult lives, persecution. But it's interesting, when you read their words, you read the words of Paul, there's always this underlying thing of joy and love and acceptance that he felt from the Lord, even though his life may have not have been ideal and there was much suffering that occurred because of his relationship with Jesus. The reason why Paul could endure and the other disciples could endure is because they got the gospel straight. They got it right. They understood Jesus' words when he said, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. You'll have heartache. You'll have trials. But understand, I've overcome the world for you. Take heart in this that I've overcome the world for you. So for Paul and the others, they could look to the future and what heaven was in store for them, that this world isn't, wasn't going to give them everything they need. This world wasn't their identity. Christ was their identity. So no matter what they would go through in this world, they knew their future. And Jesus was honest with them about the struggles that they would go through. Nothing in this world compares to what God has in store for those who trust him. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, do we really count the cost of following Jesus or do we casually follow him as long as life is good or fair? And Jesus wants to bring us this true joy and freedom when we relinquish our lives to him, when we truly surrender to him. This story is just vividly implanted in my my mind, the story of when I I was in high school and I was a a brand new Christian and... um, there, there was a group of kids in school that were just interested in my conversion. They were interested in, like, my born-again conversion. So I had a, a couple of kids that asked me, like, Barton, what, what, what happened to you? Like, what's going on? Why is your vocabulary cut in half? I mean, what happened? You know, what happened with you? And um, 
So I was, I, I began to explain, like, I'm a follower of Jesus now. I can't, and they're like, really? Is that, that's why you carry your Bible? Like, ooh, here comes the preacher. Look out. You know, they would make fun of me and stuff. I said, you bunch of heathens. But anyways, you know, I make fun of them. But I remember there's this one, one, uh, a couple, this small group, a couple of girls who had asked me questions and, and they were, they were Jewish and they were really interested in my conversion stories. They're like, well, what? What, what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to follow Jesus and why did Jesus? And I was telling them, it's, it's not about a religion. It's just, you know, I've, I've, I've learned who Jesus is and, and, I, and I believe that he's, you know, that he's, that he's God, that he died for my sins and this is why he came into the world and that he's the Messiah and I would explain that to them and she's like, man, that is really, I've never heard that. It's so interesting. So they kept asking more questions. Every day they'd ask more questions. So we had these great conversations. So um, this concert came up of this Christian band, and I say, hey, you want to go to a concert with me? It's a, it's a Christian concert, but would you like to come? And they're like, yeah, let's go. So she came, and a cousin of hers came, and a friend of mine came, so we all went to this the, this concert, and they gave a really great appeal at the end of the concert about coming to Christ and following Jesus. And um, it was really well done, well laid out, beautiful gospel message, and they asked if anyone would like to, to pray to to come to Christ. And I remember looking at her and she had, she had tears in her eyes. And um, I'm like, cool. I'm like, what's going on? She goes, Barton, I really get it. I, I understand what you've been talking about. I, I, I see who Jesus is. This is totally interesting to me. And this is what she said to me. She says, Barton, but you don't understand. If I make this commitment, my family will disown me. Now, here's the thing. What that, I had so much respect for her because she counted the cost. She didn't say, she didn't say yeah, let me just try it for a couple of weeks. Woohoo, yeah. Jesus works out for me, then, then cool. I'll just try it. And she, she got it. She got the cost. Now, I don't know where she is today. Hopefully, hopefully she's serving Jesus today. And maybe those words and the seeds that the gospel message planted to her, you know, that she's serving the Lord today. But she got the cause, and I appreciate that because what it did for me as a follower of Jesus at that early age of following Jesus, I understood that there's a cost to following Jesus. And, and, and for her, she understood that cost. That, that's what Jesus is telling us. There, there is a cost to following me. She took it seriously. You see, are we following Jesus simply because he makes me feel good? Or am I following Jesus because it's true? See, church, listen to me. I want you as your pastor to follow Jesus because it's true. How many know our emotions are going to be all over the place? We're going to feel good. And, and, and so many times we try to follow Jesus based on our emotions. Like, pastor, I just don't feel it at times. How come I don't feel God in, in, my, in my life all the time? You know, I, I wish I was on the mountaintop all the time, but there are times I don't feel it, Right? but I know it's true. And what kept the disciples and the apostles moving forward with that gospel message is that they knew it was true because they saw the risen Savior. What helped them get through all the struggles and the pains in their life is that they saw the risen Savior and it was true. So all the heartache that they would have to face on earth was worth it because it was true. And so for you that are struggling, for you watching online that are struggling with your faith or struggling whether or not Jesus is true, listen, here's, here's what I want to say to you as I said to my son Colby when he was 12 years old. He said, Dad, I'm not sure that the word of God is the word of God. So I sat down and I yelled at him for an hour. No, I said, 
I said, Colby, that's good because I don't want your faith to be my faith. I want you to know it because it's true for you. So I gave him some books. And I think the reason why so many people, you know, deconstruct from their faith is because they hear something that someone says, well, what about this in the Bible? And they're like, yeah, what about that? And, and doubt begins to be placed in their mind. And so they try to look for these answers over here in left field. And you'll find anything you want if you go online, right? So I, what I told Kobe, I said, Kobe, let me give you some wise people, some scholars here who wrestled with these same questions. And it's good that you're wrestling. And I want you to wrestle with this. I just don't want you to accept it because it's, it's what I believe. I want you to accept it because it's true. And it's true for you. So I gave him some books to read and he read those books and he came back and he said, okay, Dad, I'm, I'm good. I said, you, okay, good, which way? Like, you know, he goes, no, I'm good. I, I, it was, that, that was very helpful. For those of you that are struggling with your faith or those of you that are struggling with maybe your kids that are struggling with this, first of all, you pray, pray, pray. Let God soften your heart. Don't attack them. Keep those doors of communication open. I know it can be frustrating. It's frustrating for me as a pastor when I hear all these de deconstruction stories that I listen to on podcasts. But listen, though, there are those stories that I've listened to that those who deconstruct came back to Jesus and, and, and they found the truth in him. And so there, there's wonderful testimonies of, of God doing great work. So here's, here's what I would say to you. You continue to pray, but, but you leave that door open. And, and, and allow uh, that relationship to be open so that, so that you will um, have access into their heart and their life to help them see the other side when that comes. Because you don't want to shut that door right away. Then they'll never be open to hear wh what other people share about these topics that they need to hear about. And then, and then you can say, hey, why don't you listen to this? Or what about the, this book really helped me when I was struggling with some things? And that's what I did for Colby. And so then they can hear the other side. Instead of listening to this other side that's so negative and all the doubt, and there's people who have really studied this that, that understand the doubts that you have. And here's what they found as they correctly interpreted the word of God. And uh, for those of you that are struggling with that, please come see me or Pastor Brandon. We, we've, believe me, we've got a ton of... <laughs> podcasts and authors and books that we can give you for those you parents who are struggling with that to help you to understand maybe um, what, what's going on in their life and help you to deal with that. So please, please come see us. We would love to help you with that. We're going to do a series of messages specifically on this coming in um, early fall and September, um, just so we're aware as a church of what's going on in our world. So we're able to defend the gospel correctly and that we had that solidified in our hearts. So, so we are praying, 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 praying with you. And, and there is help and there's wonderful, wonderful people out there that are dealing with this very topic and have wonderful resources to help us work through this. But here's the thing that, that Jesus tells you and I that are following Christ. There's this death to myself that Jesus says must happen. I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He's a Lutheran pastor who the Nazis executed three days before the end of World War II. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, when Jesus Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Here's what I have to say to myself, Barden, you've got to die to yourself daily. Because how many know that old man can rear its ugly head? We've got to die to ourselves daily when, when something doesn't go my way or I'm mistreated or when life doesn't go my way. If I'm not coming back to that gospel message 
that Jesus says, those who follow me will deny themselves. You take up your cross and you deny yourself. That's hard for me when things don't go my way or somebody mistreats me. Our world today has been so polarizing. People have been so polarized on one opinion to the next. Listen, I'm not saying don't have an opinion. But what Paul tells us in Romans 14 on these disputable matters, please, for your own opinion, don't destroy the work of God. And I think there's, there's that coming back to dying to myself, dying to my opinion. You can have your opinion. But for the sake of the work of God within the body of Christ, there's this death to myself so that Christ can be glorified in my life, that relationships can be healed because of Jesus Christ, not my opinion. And I have to remind myself that when I'm walking in the spirit of Christ, I'm dying to my own desires. So here's, here's, here's how it needs to work. When I could say something unkind, how do I stop myself? When, when someone comes against my opinion or, or doesn't agree with me, whatever it may be, that, that has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have to be willing to say, Jesus, your spirit needs to live in me. How am I reacting to this? Are my words kind? Am I glorifying Christ in my words? And why is it hard for me to do this? Because pride is always right there. We want to live to make ourselves happy, and we have to realize that's the dying to myself. The Apostle Paul just gives this powerful reminder to us on what our lives should look like in Christ. I love these words. It's written for us in Galatians, the book of when he wrote to the, the Galatian church. He says this. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what's so powerful about a baptismal service. Actually, we're going to have one in a month, a month or two. So if you've not been water baptized, we're going, to, we're going to have one in the next couple of months. Excited about that. One of the most exciting things we do all year. It's a dying to myself. Going under the water is I've died with Christ. I'm risen in a new life with who? Under that water, Barden, Anthony, Gerace Jr. has died. And when I said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, I said, I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to follow you. Now, does that old man want to jump out of the water all the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to realize, am I dying to myself daily? What, what are my words saying? What are my words expressing? How am I treating others? That's all part of allowing the spirit of Christ to rule and reign in our hearts so that Jesus would be glorified in his church. Paul goes on to say, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And listen to what he says here. I love this. This is what such a close personal relationship the Apostle Paul had with Jesus. He says, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had the gospel right. He knew it meant denial, but he knew. He knew that Jesus loved him, that he gave his life for him, and that laying his life at the foot of Jesus was worth it all. And he had that close relationship. His identity was in Christ. Paul was not a perfect person either. 
We all want to make Paul like, oh, he's, he wasn't. He had his flaws. He had his issues, like all of us do, amen? But what he knew is that he could come to Christ and there at the foot of Christ, we could find forgiveness and healing. Jesus knows everything in us. And so what I need to do daily is be willing when something comes against me or I don't like it or life doesn't work out the way I want or things aren't going the way I want, I've got to say, am I willing to die to myself to allow you to live in me? Jesus says, count the cost. Take up your cross and daily follow me. That's where the peace and that's where the joy comes when we follow Jesus that way. That's the Jesus I want you to know and I want you to experience. Please don't stop short from knowing him fully in your life. And there may be some of you that say, Pastor, I love Jesus and I've been following for a lot of years, but there's been some things in your life that have just tripped you up and maybe have caused some bitterness or whatever and it's just, it's, it's hindered some things. And I would say to you that just saying, listen, die to yourself Let Christ live in you. Let him heal you of that stuff. He wants you to come. He says, come to me, all you are heavy laden. He said, my burdens are light. My yoke is easy. That doesn't mean life is easy, but he says, when you hitch yourself to me and to my yoke, I'll walk with you through it. It's fitting. The yoke means it's fitting. Jesus walks with us through it all and will never leave us or forsake us. That's the Jesus I want you to know. The gospel message was given to change us from our old ways and give us a brand new life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, Lord, I pray for those that are just either seeking you or are just frustrated today because of life or the things that they're going through, Lord, I pray that you would just show them who you are and what you accomplished for us and how you desire to have a relationship with us that through all these, all the strife in our world, you're willing to walk with us. You're willing never to leave us or forsake us. And Lord, I just pray for those that, that, that just need you to fill their hearts and their lives again, Lord, with who you really are. And so, Lord, I pray that we would follow you and we would seek you, not because necessarily my life is going to get better, but we follow you by faith because you are true and you are the truth and you've come to set us free. So I pray, Lord, that would be our ambition to be Christ followers to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to follow you. And I pray that would transform our hearts, that would transform our relationships as we continue to bow our hearts before the cross of Jesus Christ and realizing what he did for us that none of us could do for ourselves. So we thank you for your wonderful grace today that receives us, that takes us with all our flaws, all our shortcomings, and you love us and you restore us and you forgive us. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you did for us. May our identity and our identity alone be found in you. We love you. We thank you. 
And we want to be careful to ask these things in your beautiful name, Jesus, in your wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen.